on the cover. The faces of Eden and Cardigan are shown back to back, cast in deep shadows. Cardigan looks worried, while Eden looks suspiciously over her shoulder. Behind them looms the larger-than-life figure of Mr. St. James in a trim white suit, smiling ominously. At the bottom of the page stands the silhouette of a terrifying cyborg, with a large, glowing red light obscuring its face. Wonderworld Comics proudly presents The Midnighters, Volume 7, Code Midnight, Issue 1, Digging Two Graves. Prepare yourself, dear reader, for another gripping tale of adventure, drama, and self-discovery. This is Wonder World Comics. Our comic opens with an outside shot of a tall, dark skyscraper on Paragon Island. Uh, Now, Paragon Island is known... Uh, throughout the world for its just like beautiful art deco architecture and contrasting, you know, like dark blues and blacks with golds and brass. And this building, however, is a little different. Um, Justin, what does the office building of Mr. St. James look like? Like you said, it definitely stands out next to the art deco that Paragon Island is known for. It is a fully obsidian black building. And it is completely impractical from the completely tinted windows to the just sheer panes of black metal at rigid angles. And navigating the inside is no less difficult. I think that Paragon Island has like a statute where buildings built there have to have this art deco style so it is part of the interior but like the colors it's layered with are like obsidian black and slate black so these patterns are just completely obscured uh but it fits the letter of the law and yeah it's it's all with downlighting there's not a single light fixture scene everything's lit from like floorboards or the upper edges of each room you wouldn't see any switches on the wall or elevators. Everything is just sleek and profile almost to the point of being obnoxious and difficult to use. Amazing. And um, the uh, the next panel shows a close-up of the stern face of Mr. St. James, scowling over steepled fingers. The, the next panel is a little further pulled back again, and he's... Uh, we can see he's sitting at the head of a large, empty conference table. It is entirely and impractically large and long. Very thick and sturdy and not at all compensating for anything. And he sits here alone in the dark. And the door at the far end of the the conference room opens and his secretary enters. And uh, walks over and her heels click, clack, click, clack, click, clack, click, clack all the way down this long, long room. And she stops by Mr. St. James and bends down and whispers something in his ear. And he nods, says, send him in. And uh, he 
he kind of raises an eyebrow. He looks slightly surprised, uh, bemused perhaps, but um, otherwise continues to scowl as the his secretary's heels click, clack, click, clack, click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. Uh, she steps back outside and the door opens again and in walks an intimidating silhouette of a tall, barrel-chested man with a wide-brimmed hat and a fur-lined vest. And the voice of Jack Steele rings out in the room. Couldn't help but hear you had a little botch job museum the other night. Mr. St. James glares at him and says, uh, It's good to see you too, Jack. Please, have a seat. Jack walks over to the nearest end of the conference table and grabs one of the large, very uncomfortable wooden chairs and slowly drags it across the marble oh, floor. It's not. It's definitely metal. And oh. heavy and black. And it's like one fully molded piece that was pulled out of a forge. Yes. It I just lo- clanks and just drags heavily. Yeah. It probably even marks up the floor and like mm-hmm. a robot comes behind it and is polishing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we get like another long panel uh, all the way across the page of Jack just dragging the chair and it going. <laughs> and the little robot kind of another, you know, half of a step behind him just going. Polishing after it. And uh, Jack sets the chair down and sits down on it, straddles it backwards and kind of leans towards Mr. St. James and says, Now, uh, I don't mean to pry and I know it's not polite to come in and talk about uh, (laughs) a little setback like that. Um, (laughs) Apologize. Uh, however, I do have a proposition for you. Sir, how would you like a little bit of payback at the leader of those kids who uh, stole your dagger? And Mr. St. James lowers his fingers and folds them on his lap and says, uh, Intriguing. Continue. Well, it turns out I also have a beef with... uh some of these kids and uh well i'm not the only one and i just happen to have a little uh operation in mind uh don't worry i've paid for everything myself like i said i got some skin in the game as well and uh he leans forward and you can see that the left side of his face has been badly burned and disfigured by uh, presumably the fire in the warehouse. And uh, the left corner of his mouth is kind of like mangled and pulled back a little, giving him kind of a permanent sneer. He says, uh, the only thing we're looking for is a skilled engineer who can conduct the operation. And uh, Mr. St. James's eyes get gleam to them as he smiles and uh we get another wide shot of the two the silhouettes of the two men shaking hands and we turn the page and we see cardigan outside 
of the Shopco. What have you been uh what have you been doing outside today? Um yeah, what is what is new in the wonderful world of Cardigan Weaver? She's on the curb with a huge smile waving goodbye to Zoltana and Serena, who had been over for a sleepover. Awesome. In a stitched loft that she had made in the shop co amazing um, without moonflower's permission <laughs> moonflower probably has a fallen over pillow invitation to said sleepover that she either chose to ignore or never saw <laughs> we'll let the readers decide and i think uncle patrick had trashed ryan's invitation while they were grounded oh. and there's a little throw pillow somewhere in a dumpster in the burbs that oh, uh, no. <laughs> was inviting her to a little sleepover. And yeah, that's what she's been up to. She really liked going to the Wilds. She extremely liked feasting and hanging out with Belch and his family. So when she got back, she decided to have a sleepover. I don't think Zoltana or Serena expected it to last three days. Um, it definitely didn't almost become a hostage situation. <laughs> but the point is, at the end of the days... Everyone had fun. So, oh, yes. Much fun was had. That's what counts. Um, and uh, their car rounds the corner as you wave goodbye, and uh, you turn around and head back into the shop co and notice that um, there's a package by the front door that you're not quite sure when it appeared, but um, wasn't there the last time you were outside. Um, just a, a small brown paper package with a an envelope on top. Well, what's inside? Guardian's obviously ripping it oh, open. Um, <laughs> the the uh, the letter on the outside is addressed to Moonflower. Like that's gonna. Guardian's obviously ripping it open. <laughs> <laughs> unless uh, unless you don't want that to happen, like that's just that's what. We're no, doing. totally. Uh, yeah. So you you rip open the envelope, and inside is a short note uh, that just says. Uh, Eden, I'm glad your friend survived being poisoned. I hope you and your team are doing well. Love, Dad. Well, that's rude. He didn't even mention me. (laughs) She'll take the note inside and leave it next to the throw pillow with the sleepover invitation. There's probably like four other throw pillows (laughs) in disarray that say things that are not at all important. Um, You always leave a note. As you... One throw pillow is just like a grocery list. (laughs) Yes. It's Um, all snacks for the sleepover. (laughs) As you you set the package down by the throw pillows, you notice um, a light on in a a corner of the shop code that's not usually used. There's like a little hallway back to like where the manager's office used to be. Mm -hmm. What do you do? I guess Cardigan's going on an adventure. <laughs> She'll stroll down the hallway. Um, and you find the, the door to the manager's office is ajar. And inside you see Eden. What is what does Eden look like? Not great. <laughs> um Eden's usually pretty put together, but she is just like wearing ratty sweats and like a ratty t-shirt 
and she's got her hair up and like it might have been a top knot at some point but it's it's just kind of a messy like half bun now um and she is staring at what looks like a conspiracy board of sorts she's got like these what what are those called cork boards Mm -hmm. that you pin things to um with many things pinned to it and it's not like it kind of looks a little unhinged while still kind of being organized like it still looks like she mm-hmm. did it in her very like neat and precise way, but there's right, a right. whole lot going on on this board and just like sticky notes pinned everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, things a very neat coded. and precise unhinged person. Yeah. And I, I think it's, you know, some of the notes are written in like three different languages. <laughs> and I think Eden is sitting in the middle of this. She's just sitting on top of the manager's desk. Um, staring at a sticky note. Do you want do you want me to continue? <laughs> <laughs> That's entirely up to you. If you want to continue, you can. If not, you don't have to. What is what is Cardigan's um, reaction to seeing this? I'll I'll actually oh, yeah. like w- one more detail of what is on this sticky note. Um Justin and I apologize in advance. <laughs> this is her what she has summed up so far of everything she can think of about the two times that she has gotten notes from dark Fox. And since, you know, she is doing this in a location that people are running around who she doesn't entirely trust right now. She is writing in code. Um, so she has adopted sort of, sort of her own version of like Cockney, uh, rhyme (laughs) code. And, and so like, the names she is using are like based on these rhymes. So stitch rhymes with the phrase filthy rich. So she just has the word filthy written on there. Cause cardigan was at both of these instances where uh, I tried to think of a nicer one. Cockney rhymes are actually very hard to do. It turns out. Um, but anyway, so cardigan was at both of these events where she found notes. Um, and then the, the word right beneath Filthy says dream, which is short for dream come true, which rhymes with Drew, because he was also at both of those events. Hmm. And then under that, there's just sunglasses, question mark, because she was wearing her heart sunglasses at both of those things. And she doesn't think that's related, but she's not ruling it out. Interesting choice of code names. (laughs) Yeah, so I think this, this sticky note just says filthy dream sunglasses, question mark. I'm curious why Eden would want to hang out with her and Belch at the same time, but (laughs) seeing as her middle name is Dream, that clearly refers to her. (laughs) She's cracked your code, but unintentionally. (laughs) And And sunglasses is clearly Eden, you know. (laughs) Filthy, who else could it be but Belch? (laughs) You got her there. Got it in one. Uh, what you up to, Moonflower? Um, Eden's going to kind of look up. She's got, like, circles under her eyes, and she just says, I'm working. Hmm. Are you accomplishing anything? <laughs> this is not actually what she does, but I think in her head, Eden is, like, holding out this unhinged sticky note with, like, <laughs> could an unproductive person make this? <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what's going through her head. Um, I'm oh. picturing Ben Wyatt in Parks and Rec. Could a depressed person make this? Oh, no, that's absolutely his two second claymation. <laughs> um, but be, um, even being Eden, I think she's just going to like sort of gesture at the board behind her. Um, Cardigan, could you have been piercing the mask of Moonflower? My memory is short today. Very possibly. Um, when I asked what she was doing? Yeah, were you trying to, like, yeah, were you just, like, honestly asking what is she up to, or were you, like, a little, you know, concerned about your your teammate and, you know, wondering what's going on? You know, I, I don't think Cardigan has level like, leveled up to that level of emotional awareness or empathy for others yet. I feel like it would be really surprising if it appeared spontaneously like this. That's totally fair. So it, it was very surface level. Awesome. Perfect. She just wants to I'm know always... Eden didn't come to the sleepover. <laughs> Little does she know Eden was in the office during the entire three-day sleepover. I mean, she like snuck out to like like she walked by actually a couple times to to get some food, but there was probably snacks available at just like different <laughs> snack tables for people who weren't there. All the other midnighters who could have been there, I'm sure graviton floated by. Mm-hmm. The shopco's been quiet. There's no Sam. There's it no Walden. Yeah, Midas has been off at the library or otherwise. So yeah, it's been quiet. Cardigan's gonna walk over. And lean over both of her palms on the table of whatever this conspiracy board is sitting on and just stare intently. Um, Is that piercing the mask? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, good luck to Cardigan trying to figure out what's going on here. Eden doesn't even know what she's (laughs) been writing on this board. My board had more fish, but what's up with this, Eden? Do you need help? And I'm going to roll plus my mundane, awesome. which is um, minus two. Awesome. And I'm angry. So that is another minus two. Awesome. You're welcome. I am now rolling this. You're welcome for the experience. <laughs> <laughs> I am shocked that that was a miss. <laughs> yeah, that's a four. It's a five plus a one minus Ooh. two. Ooh. Actually, it's a two because there's another minus two. It's a two total. So, yeah, you get to mark potential. And, Eden, how do you take this uh, gross intrusion into your privacy? It's okay. The the whole reason she is using code in other languages is so that if someone like Cardigan walks into her office because she knew that was bound to happen, um, no big deal. No, I don't think that's one she knows. I think she knows... We're both Japanese, French, and Russian for her, her languages. But she she is just going to kind of change the subject and say, Zoltana is not good at karaoke, but she is enthusiastic. <laughs> These were the circumstances she was trying to work under. <laughs> the enthusiastic karaoke. Yeah, well... I'm obviously the best at it, but it's still still fun to have other people do it with me. There's always room for a duet if you want to do one. Do I seem like someone who duets? 
Well, yeah, you hang out with uh, Shrike quite a bit, so seemed kind of natural. You just see Eden's eye twitch. (laughs) (laughs) Eden thinks she's being stealthy and doesn't enjoy being read like a book. (laughs) I, I just feel like Cardigan looking at her note card and like 50% getting it right is like that meme of the guy who like used the wrong equation to solve the math problem and still got the right answer. (laughs) Eden has three things on her note card. One of them she thinks is probably nonsensical. (laughs) Um, But she is kind of aware that she's maybe reached the end of what she's going to accomplish in this particular room at this particular moment. Um, so since Cardigan is one of the items on her her list of things she is sort of questioning right now, um, I think she is going to make the executive decision on two hours of sleep that she is going to do reconnaissance by spending time with Cardigan. <laughs> That's actually kind of sweet. Is it? <laughs> um, so she's yeah, she's going to say no duets, but we should go do something. What do you want to do? There's a twitch that crosses her <laughs> camera lens-like eyes that seem to register some kind of internal error (laughs) before a smile cracks across her face and she says, let's go be heroes. Because there's nothing she would rather do than be Eden's partner or Moonflower's partner in a caper. Eden kind of squints like she's trying to figure out what alternative ulterior motive she could have there. Um, (laughs) But failing to come up with one, she slides off the desk and says, fine, I'm going to go suit up. Um, And she's going to go suit up and maybe also like brush her hair. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Cardigan, what are you doing while Eden is is getting ready for, for an adventure? I think she is uncomfortably adjacent to Eden with a book out as if she is reading, but she can't concentrate. So she's been on the same page for however long it takes Eden to get ready and fully in Moonflower costume. And I think while she's doing so, she's randomly Pride episode-esque lottering between different witchy style outfits and accessories. As they just pop on, her hat will change colors, her skirt will change colors, the buttons on her cardigan change. She's just, she's mix and matching until she figures out how she wants to go out. It'll probably and completely innocently, unintentionally be black and purple. Absolutely by accident. Completely. Total random happenstance. Pure coincidence. Could happen to anybody. Could happen to anybody. 
while this is going on, you've uh, got your suit on, and while you're like strapping on your bandolier, you notice a warning light flash on the nearest computer monitor that there's been a perimeter breach at the Shopco. Oh, damn. It's one of those episodes. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. I think her initial thought is that, like, I feel like there are Midnighters who have set off perimeter breaches before. <laughs> Maybe all of them have done it at least once. <laughs> Maybe they're in this room. <laughs> Maybe. Um, and maybe some of them aren't in this room, because I do think every single one of the Midnighters has set off an alarm at least once in the shop. What, you mean Um, Gravatar played with those little light emitters that happen to be proximity sensors? She's actually, behind the conspiracy wall, there's like a tally that she's keeping of how many times this has happened. Um, (laughs) KT's only done it once, Midas has done it twice. Sam has done it like seven times and, and Cardigan has done it like 23 and counting. Um, since Cardigan's there, I think Ian's going to have this moment of like, oh, is Sam back? And setting <laughs> off my alarm again. And um, then she's going to remember that hypothetically the alarm could be caused by someone who's, you know, not a midnighter. And I think she's going to proceed accordingly and hope to be pleasantly surprised. Um, but but since she doesn't know that, I think she's going to do what she does best and get to the vents. Get the higher ground. And um, uh, Cardigan, what do you do as uh, Eden jumps up into the vents? You know, the most Cardigan thing to do at any moment is probably just to jump up and follow Moonflower in the vents. But I don't feel like these vents are very big. They're big enough. Cardigan is crammed up in this vent with Moonflower, and she just kind of whispers over her shoulder into her ear, I I did it for the attention. What? I set off the alarms. I mean, I knew they were there, at least after the first couple times, but I thought you might notice. I always notice the alarms. You hadn't said anything, so I figured I'd keep doing it until you did. Well, stop. Did you set off this alarm? No. Do you know how many times I have crawled through these vents because of you? I kind of thought it was just our thing. (laughs) It wasn't. And it's still not. Uh, Cardigan kind of just gives the look a kid gives to a parent where they're like acknowledging that the parent's right while just like smiling because they know they're right as they both crawl through these vents together. And this kind of uh, cute moment is interrupted when the front sliding double doors at the front of the Costco that have been like boarded over probably and then what are the the front doors of the the shop co like keaton they're boarded over okay cool 
<laughs> there, there's like a, a back loading door that they use to actually get in and out. That makes sense. Um, the, uh, the boarded over front doors explode in, uh, just a giant blast of red light and a beam of, of red energy just tears through the, the front of the shop co and tears a hole all the way through the shelves, like to the back of the building, uh, and just sweeps underneath you. Uh, Eden, I believe you were assessing the situation, so why don't you go ahead and roll? Yeah, I was areas. just gonna say I would like to assess. The yeah, situation. yeah. Had you not suggested it, it's an eight. Excellent. Yes, and you get a plus one while acting on the answers. Yes. Um, what here can I use to blank? What here's in the biggest? What here is the biggest threat? What here's in the greatest danger? What here is most vulnerable? Who here is most vulnerable to me? How can we best end this quickly? Um, I would like some more information on what just blasted down my door, which I think would fall under what here is the biggest threat. That seems wise. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, how are you? Uh, um, yeah, so as you are peering out of these vents... And looking at the just like dust and debris and smoke, uh, you hear the clanking of heavy metal feet and two glowing red eyes appear in the, the obscuring dust and mechanical voice rings out. You thought you killed me. You thought you left me for dead. And, uh, it, this thing takes a couple more lurching steps forward. But I have been transformed, Moonflower. And now, I won't leave you for dead. I'll finish the job! And out of the smoke and dust steps this terrifying looking almost like terminator cyborg uh like there's human skin and muscles and stuff but also has all kinds of tubes and uh power cables and uh pistons and armor plating and just all kinds of stuff added to it and implanted inside of it and replaced and the head of this cyborg is, you can barely uh, recognize the um, sort of the top half of the face of Lethal Laser, last seen paralyzed from the neck down in the debris of the fallen Farsec sky base. Oh. Yeah, and, see, I, I think during that whole thing, Aiden was, like, trying to remember if she killed anyone. Casual life came back through her memories, like... And, yeah, so it's... His nose and mouth are missing and have been replaced with, like, giant metal jaws. Um, And his forearms have been remo removed and replaced with these giant laser cannons. 
uh, and it looks like his legs and like his back are all reinforced with these robot parts that look somehow familiar, but you're not sure. Can't quite place them as, uh, says, uh, now I have been reborn as the third lethal laser. You have one more question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I would like to ask what here can I use to like, I mean, he's, he's a cyborg. So I assume he has some sort of power source. Mm -hmm. Um, so I guess what can I use to shut off his power source? Um, so out of the back of his head are just like tons of cables. It almost looks like he has dreadlocks, but uh, it, instead they're like plugs into the back of like just straight into the back of his like brain. The like back half of his skull has been removed and replaced by metal. And uh, they all are attached to this like backpack that's been bolted onto him. Uh, that appears to be some sort of like heavily armored fusion reactor core that powered whatever um, was previously, whatever provided these robotic parts, whatever it powered that is also powering this new version of the lethal laser. So yeah, if you could disconnect his brain from that power source or shut off that power source, that would be a way to, to shut him down. Noted. And you get plus one while acting on those answers. How does Cardigan react to this? Cardigan turns to Moonflower and says, Is it time for me to distract? Absolutely. With that, Cardigan, in her witch's hat and her white domino mask, actually her black and purple domino mask stitched across her face as she comes down in her, yes, her previously white outfit that is now moonflower colored in black and purple streaks. And she is glowing and rippling in a mystique-esque fashion as she charges her burn and just shines and sparkles in the middle of this laser ravaged shopco. Heck yeah. Go ahead and roll plus your conditions marked. I have four. And that is a 11. I will roll three burn. And you have four conditions marked. That's great. Yeah. (laughs) And I think... What is she going to do? She is going to be a distraction. So as she floats down, she is going to spend two of her burn to materialize her handy-dandy stitch clone. And they are going to um, start stitching needle-like projectiles that they send towards Lethal Laser in her kind of typical fashion of sending out thread from two different directions to tie down a foe as they circle Lethal Laser 3 in a semicircle fashion branching off going different directions and every few feet sending like a stitch needle towards him with a thread attached. Incredible. Uh, it sounds like, are you trying to provoke him or maybe you're unleashing your powers? 
Oh, I, I felt like I was directly engaging a threat. Or, it, yeah, it, no, I mean, that also, yes. I... <laughs> um, absolutely. Go ahead and directly engage a threat and roll plus danger. That is a 12. Heck, yes! 4 plus a 5 plus a 3. On a hit, you trade blows. On a 10 plus, you pick 2. Resist and avoid their blows. Take something from them. Create an opportunity for your allies or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. She is resisting their blows and creating an opportunity for Moonflower. Perfect. So as you go, uh, you and your Stitch clone go diving into battle in a flurry of thread and color uh, and start assaulting lethal laser from all sides. Uh, he just starts unleashing barrage after barrage of just these incredibly just like searing, scorching blasts of just incinerating laser fire. They don't even it just like they completely vaporize whatever they hit and just leave like perfect smoldering circles through the shelves and walls. But you manage to duck and weave past all of them. And he has his entire, uh, attention focused on you as you are pirouetting around the store. Uh, Moonflower, what do you do with this opportunity? Eden thinks that she's going to need something a little bigger than her knives to try and disconnect this power source. So she is going to hop down from the vents, go to, I don't actually know what section of the shop code this would be. Construction? Yeah, um, yeah, it's like home improvement. And yeah, home improvement. There we go. She's going to grab a chainsaw. <laughs> <laughs> yes girl lawn and garden go queen <laughs> yes she's gonna grab a chainsaw and I, th I think this is probably directly engaging a threat as well but she is going to take a chainsaw to his battery pack incredible oh my yeah. god I I was afraid, Go. but it's still a 10 because it was a 12. Didn't matter. Oh, perfect. Sorry. That way I was just like, oh, fuck. I'm so bad at adding my shit together. So simple, Matt but I can't hard. do it. It's so hard. Um, yeah, his back is completely turned to you. Um, and I think you uh, just. I mean, like, he's not even paying attention to you. I think you, like, tear into his, like, backpack with this chainsaw. And he immediately roars in pain. And cables start tearing loose. And uh, it, the whole, his entire chest and torso start to glow red and give off ominous light. And he's going to whirl around and uh, he swing these massive laser cannons and just use them as like a, a bludgeoning club to just try and smack you away from him. Go ahead and yeah, I guess um, Cardigan, what are you doing? Or how are you reacting to this Moonflower? Um, well, she's I, I think once she's kind of done the initial damage with the chainsaw, it is a clunky weapon. Um, so I think she's going to kind of toss it aside and focus on dodging the lasers. 
So I, th- I think if he's just kind of swinging his laser cannon arms around, she's going to duck down real low and kind of swing behind him. He is going to continue to uh, lurch and spark as his robotic voice uh, screams out and says, No! Not again! I have been... I will not stand for this! Not this time! Cardigan, you see his whole kind of, uh, like, jaw opens wide and the front plate of, like, his now robotic face slides up and his whole body starts to sort of transform and become this entire giant laser cannon as he is now the final fused form of Lethal Laser 3 and the remains of Head Cannon. And now just has this giant laser face cannon that he is is just like charging up and his whole body is glowing bright red with this like fluctuating unstable energy as he prepares this just massive blast. What do you do? So as Cardigan and her distraction have reached the end of their usefulness and she sees what is happening, she and her clone are going to position themselves on either side of this gathering surge of energy. And she is going to try to tap into the world and the ley lines and the networks around. And I think she's going to try to diffuse and redirect this energy elsewhere. Amazing. However you think that would appear or what role. It it sounds to me like you're unleashing your powers unless you have a, a, a different like playbook move. I'm perfectly okay with that. Amazing. Awesome. Yeah, you're definitely overcoming the obstacle and reshaping your environment. So roll plus freak. That is a four plus a two plus a one for a seven. Ooh, and are you... uh, I am not hopeless. You're not hopeless. Perfect. That is a full hit or a partial success. So on a hit, you do it, but mark a condition or I get to tell you how the effect is unstable or temporary. It's going to have to be unstable or temporary. I don't feel like marking hopeless just yet. All I have less left is damaged. And so as you absorb this magical energy and start to channel it through the ley lines and disperse it into the earth, uh, you feel this power surging through you and it starts to uh, like burn through this clone you created and you can feel it starting to burn through your energy and you realize that you are going to have to either let this like surge completely through you and channel it into these ley lines or you're going and like take a powerful blow or you can let go and uh It'll deal like not it won't level the shop co like it was about to, but it'll deal considerable damage to the the home and garden section. I think just based. I I almost want to see the damage it would do, but (laughs) 
knowing that the newborn is very based on their rules they're supposed to hold their family above all and pay their debts and to let this base be shattered when they've been so kindly welcomed in especially when their uh their savior is a two and their danger is a three yeah this this power is going to fully channel and run through guardian she's gonna she's gonna take the weight of it what happens when you embody your uh your lessons that you've learned because it sounds like you're doing that when cardigan embodies her lessons shift one label up and one label down your choice if you cause a misunderstanding collateral damage or unintended consequences in the process mark potential i guess we'll have to see how it turns yeah, out see if i, I mark we'll potential if you get potential or not moonflower you see that that cardigan is performing uh some sort of magic to disperse this energy and dispel it into the the ether between worlds instead of into the ether of the shopco and i'm gonna shift my danger down one and my freak up one awesome and you see it burn through her clone and then starting to burn through through cardigan uh what do you do I think I want to assess the situation again. Okay. Go ahead and roll plus superior. So that's a seven. It's another seven. Okay. So you get one plus your, I guess your, yeah. So what are your, what are your questions? What are my questions? Um, well, let's start with how can we best end this quickly? <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> just make you do the work for me. I mean, I mean, in this case, best and quickly are kind of uh, <laughs> conflicting words. Uh, I mean, quickly would just be, you know, wait five seconds. It seems like Cardi's got this handled. But but best is, uh, you know, d- depends on, on what you want. Uh, yeah, on on what happens to Cardigan because of it. Well, I guess maybe what I'm trying to get at. So we've kind of hacked with the chainsaw, his mm-hmm. battery pack. So like, I guess, okay. Okay. What, what here can I use to diffuse? Okay. Perfect. Yeah. 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 Okay. That's I got the question. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Um, so let's see. What would Eden do? So you are in the home and garden section and uh see that this uh this overloading reactor is just kind of hanging on by uh just like a couple of cables that are just being overloaded with energy right uh kind of on the nearby shelf that is is still kind of smoldering is a section of brand new electric powered hedge trimmers. So, yeah, if you were able to sever those cables, they would probably uh, not be able to power the cannon and release some of the energy uh, or, yeah, reduce the energy being poured into Cardi. I also don't know if this would be useful at all, but we do have a matter disintegration pistol from Eden's father (laughs) in the Shopco somewhere that Eden might be aware of. Oh, Eden put that somewhere that 
the other Midnighters couldn't touch it. <laughs> yeah, when I say <laughs> might be aware of, I mean she has complete control over the whole situation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We'll save that as like a little, little backup. <laughs> we'll see how this this plays out with the hedge trimmer. <laughs> <laughs> well, is it here's my only question though michael is it more badass if it's a like an electric hedge trimmer or like garden shears uh, that's also what i was kind of i thought about that after the fact um, you know if you'll give me plus one to the garden shears <laughs> yeah no i think you get a plus one yeah i think well well yeah so you see yeah just a shiny pair of of giant garden shears um yeah they're like the real really big chompy ones for like cutting tree oh, yeah. branches and oh, stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eden's going to grab those and try to cut these cables. Awesome. Why don't you go ahead and roll to defend Cardigan? Oh, no. <gasps> oh, no. That's a four. Dun, dun, dun. So, you uh, grab the hedge trimmers, or, sorry, you grab the 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 shears and you jab them into like the the back of the head of this laser cannon cyborg thing and snap them shut and uh the whole battery like spine back of this thing collapses open and just this huge uh overcharged blast of like red lightning uh, channels straight through the shears and up your arms and sends you flying backwards, just like down the length of the, the shopco, like down an entire aisle. Take a powerful blow. Okay, well, got two conditions, Mark. Oh, <laughs> so that is um, that is a thirteen. That is a full success. <laughs> I successfully took a blow. Yes, yes. So you uh, must remove yourself from the situation, sleep, pass out, etc. Lose control of yourself or your powers in a terrible way, or two options from the seven to nine list. Well, let me look at the seven to nine list. Uh, lash out at your um, lash out verbally at your teammates and provoke them to full hearty action, or take advantage of your influence to inflict a condition. Uh, give ground, and your opposition gets an opportunity. Or struggle past the pain in Mark II conditions. You know, <laughs> um, I don't know what Eden losing her power, losing control in a terrible way looks like. Um, man, I hate to leave Cardi on her own. <laughs> we could, I mean, we could find hey, out. It's, it's part of the fiction, so I mean. Whatever happens, happens, right? Yeah. Whatever <laughs> happens, happens. I think Eden is is down for the count for a bit. It makes sense with a thirteen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Cardigan, you see Eden sever this power cable and then get blasted down the length of the entire shopco and like smack off one of the columns and go skidding to a stop and is not moving. However, um, the energy surging through you does drop considerably 
and you are able to successfully channel the rest of it out of this power device thing and into the ley lines and disperse it throughout the energy grid surrounding the Earth. Well, in that case, there is only one thing left to do. What is the state that Lethal Laser 3 is in? His uh, entire like back panel has been opened and like peeled back. He's sparking and uh, cables are swinging everywhere. He isn't like he's kind of twitching and moving in jerky motions uh, and his eyes are flickering red off and on. But uh, he's not really moving. In that case, I think Cardigan would run to Eden if she's dispersed the energy and the threat without <laughs> blowing up herself. That's going to be her first priority. Yeah. And uh so yeah, you ch- charge over to Eden's body. Um what do you what do you do as you arrive? Cardigan gently kneels down beside her and works her hands under her her neck and shoulders and kind of brushes her hair out of her eyes and checks for a pulse. She knows the basic things to do that she's seen on television, but she's just kind of holding Eden and panicking overcomes the reader can see a couple chat bubbles where she's saying this is cardigan to the rest of midnighters the shopco is under attack eden is out i need help can anyone come and help we see the uh lurching body of the cyborg its head twist all the way around on its body and glare at cardigan and its red eyes flash menacingly Wonderworld Comics is an actual play podcast of Masks, A New Generation, by Brennan Conway. This issue was GM'd by Michael Dunham, who can be found on Twitter at GalvanicMan. Moonflower is played by Kyra Nelson, who can be found on her Twitter at Kyra M. Nelson. Stitch is played by Justin Reed, who can be found on Twitter at WWComicsStitch. Wonderworld Comics is produced by Michael Dunham, and it is edited by Michael Dunham. The music is from Dvorak Symphony Number no. 9. Do you have questions or comments? You can get a hold of us on Twitter at WWComicsPodcast or send us an email at WWComicsPodcast at gmail.com.